Hey there, Second City Hockey listeners, it's Dave Melton here, and before we get to the show, I wanted to let you in on a little secret. All of those ads you just heard, if you want to listen to the show without them, visit secondcityhockey.com and sign up for either one of our subscription tiers, where the perks include ad-free versions of the Musings on Madison podcast. And with the first overall selection in the 2023 NHL Draft, the Chicago Blackhawks are very proud to select from the Regina Pats, the Western Hockey League, Connor Bedard. Welcome into another episode of Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dave Melton, the site manager at Second City Hockey. You can find me on Twitter at dmelt57. And if you're listening to this podcast, the best way you can support this podcast and this show and this entire operation in general, uh, first thing you can do is leave us a five-star review wherever it is you are listening to this podcast. So leave us four stars or fewer. We'll assume you're a Blues fan. SecondCityHockey.com is the place to go for all your game previews, game recaps, prospect updates, which, which we had another one earlier this week. Uh, and we got a lot more analytical stuff coming up as now that we're getting into a better sample of games, we have more stuff to write about, more conclusions to be drawn. And to get into some of that analysis and some of the prospect reports that we are going to be doing all season long, uh, that's where another way to support us is access to those to that content by signing up for the Connor Bedard or the Corey Crawford tiers, five or 10 bucks a month, gets you all of that and more. And if that's not enough, we've got merch where you can pick up shirts and hoodies and hats and hey it's the holiday season if you want to buy some stuff for your friends and family with the second city hockey logo on it please do so that'd be another great way to support us and the other thing you can do is tell a friend tell a family member tell everyone you're seeing at thanksgiving this week uh that secondcityhockey.com is the best place to get blackhawks stuff on the internet so with all of that out of the way Let's bring in my other line mates for the evening. Up first, she is not on Twitter, but she's at secondcityhockey.com under the name LBR, where she is the Second City Hockey Bull and Wall of Text. It's Betsy. Will you ever start calling it X? No, I refuse. I was like, I was like, I don't know anybody who does. Even um, at my work, our marketing department goes X, formerly known as Twitter. That's that's how like every time I've seen it referenced in any sort of newspaper media outlet article, it's X, formerly known as Twitter. Half the web, half the web addresses still come up as Twitter. So no, I mean it's it was a stupid name. Um, the only other thing I was going to say in my little intro was if anybody has book recommendations, um, it's that time of the year where I start to plan what I want for Christmas, and it's almost always books. Uh, so if people have recs, I'm into lots of stuff, but sci-fi and fantasy are my big ones. I prefer adventure, romance is fine too if it's in there, um, but it just has to be good. Have you did you ever read the Red Did you read the Red Rising trilogy? Yes. Okay, because I adored all those books. That was gonna be my suggestion. So I'm out. <laughs> I do like romance books by myself too. Like I'm on the the book talk on our for the the whole uh for hockey fan stuff, and they just did a new book on there that's called Hockey Girl Loves Drama Boy. And I was like, okay, maybe I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna read that. Um I don't normally read hockey books it'll be my first hockey related romance book so we'll see how that just, goes but just don't um, end up on that part of book talk and you know exactly no, which part I, of book yeah. <laughs> we've had i've you know no uh but usually when i make other people buy me things it's the more expensive adventure fantasy ones because those tend to 
costs more money. So if people have recommendations that are listening, throw them in. I like them all. I'll try anything, essentially. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, there you go. Uh, sign, sign off on Twitter for, for Betsy's book recommendations or in the comments that uh, where this article gets posted or when this podcast gets posted as an article at the website. Uh, also with us this evening, he is the official Second City Hockey Pizza correspondent on Twitter at Eric G.E.G. It's Eric Gagenheimer. I got some books for you, Betsy, but I'll say first and foremost, I want to say congratulations to Luke Prokop for being the first openly gay player in the AHL. He made his debut for Milwaukee last Friday against our very own Rockford Ice Hogs. Uh, if you read any articles about him, you can see how easy he is to root for and what a great story it is. So congratulations to Luke Prokop. And uh, something to keep in mind as uh, his career evolves and uh, this Blackhawks thing evolves is uh, three of his teammates on the Seattle Thunderbirds last year uh, are Blackhawks prospects. One of them is in the NHL in Kevin Korchinski, and the other two are in Rockford right now in Nolan Allen and Colton Dock. So um, I think that's going to be that could be an interesting story to follow in the next few years because there is some very the black there will be some players and potentially prominent Blackhawks roles who have had uh, a firsthand experience of that. So should be interesting. And by all accounts, they all everyone really. Loved him and, you know, cared a lot for him on that team uh, and in Seattle. So, yeah, it'll be cool to hear from those guys, too. Hopefully, you know, he does make it to the NHL. It sounds like he's re- got a really good chance. So good for him. And which which or he's in Nashville, right? Yeah, he's yeah. Nashville. Yep. OK, well, that's uh, that's good for him because they're kind of rebuilding right now. So um, that that makes the the road to the NHL a little bit less steep than if he was uh, trying to get a make it on the team in like a Tampa or a Vegas or something like that. So uh, something to keep an eye on for sure, man. And if he makes it to the NHL, we'll see him five times a year or five or six or however many Nashville knows how to develop defensemen and finish goalies. So there you go. He's one, he's one of those two things. (laughs) (laughs) I was, I wanted to make a joke about Nashville raising a banner, but no, I don't want, I don't want to make a joke about that situation. It's too important for that, but Nashville is still their, their thing. Um, so hey, uh, oh, speaking of Nashville, the Hawks play them on Saturday. Uh, Betsy, you were at the game, uh, which I, I guess we could get to the actual stuff report, uh, actual stuff about the game on the ice in a little bit. But Betsy, did you have any uh, feedback or reports on being in uh, your first Connor Bedard in person experience? He's great to watch in person. Um, Nashville did a really good job of not letting him have too much space. Um, so I don't know if I got the full, full experience as much as, say, Eric that's gotten to see him score twice and <laughs> stuff like that. But um, it was fun. I was probably more drunk than I should have spent <laughs> 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 at that time of the day. I'm going to go ahead and <laughs> admit to that. Um, so if you saw, like, Three girls and one guy, kind of tipsy, none of, like, in the club level at Nashville. I don't know if anybody – there were other Hawks fans in our um, group, but there were less Hawks fans than normal um, than the last time I went, which I thought was interesting considering the last time I went was they were trash. And they're still trash, but, like, they've got good pieces in it. <laughs> like, you can go see a gym. Um, but, yeah, I got – we went to – I was like, I'm going to treat this like brunch. And then we went to brunch beforehand. So we pre-gamed and then we continued to game (laughs) (laughs) 
as so, a thing. Really who wait, so wait. out for a little while after at the hotel, luckily which was across the street, and then went out and had dinner and dr- more drinks, but like less less like I can't I my all my friends tell me that they cannot tell when I'm drunk. Um, in fact, I had somebody that I've known for like like 12 years go, I've never seen you drunk. And I was like, I have been drunk in front of you many times, um, many, many times. And my friends were like, you should have, like, they kept being like, you should drink more. You're, you don't even, I was like, I'm toasted right now. I'm going to need you to back <laughs> off. <laughs> I need water, not more alcohol. <laughs> Point. Well, so. I guess yeah. I guess that's better than the alternative of having it be painfully obvious that you're drunk because that's usually someone who's obnoxious to be around when they've I'm had just, too much of drink. I'm way more friendly when drunk, so you know, like it's me, but like extra nice, like extra friendly. Normally, I'm not all. I'm not, I don't like people touching me, and all of a sudden, when I'm drunk, I'm like, I could give you a hug. I don't know you, but I could give you a hug. But that's weird. <laughs> I shouldn't do that, right? Um, but for the game, I think I started drinking a little bit more because it was kind of boring. It wasn't one of the more interesting games that I've been to. Normally the Nashville games are pretty, there's a lot of back and forth. And I don't know if these teams just, you know, the Blackhawks are pretty much brand new. The Preds, I was trying to remember who the fuck was on the team. Um, yeah, like, yeah, oh, there's they, Yossi. I remember him. And there's obviously Forsberg. And then I was like, who the fuck else is even here? And then I was like, fuck, there's Ryan O'Reilly. I forgot that he was there, um, that he's on there now. Uh, but other than that, I was like, I don't like Tyson Berry's on there now. I has he been on there for like this is drunk <laughs> me going, who, <laughs> who do I remember? And of course, my friends are talking to me about like, well, what's happening? And I was like, Stuff that is boring. This is boring. <laughs> well, like, uh, Kevin Lankinen, Kevin Lankinen was there on Nashville. Yes, and I kept going. Why did we let him go? We should have kept <laughs> him. And then I was like, obviously, I know why. It was bad timing when he came into the um, organization. Obviously, because Crawford was still going to go for a while, and Darling had that like one spectacular. I'm going to play better than anybody else moment. But yeah, I'm going back. Uh, we're going to go again in uh, the next Nashville game. So I'll be there on the second as well. So hopefully I see Bedard or my boy Reichel score. I would settle for our boy Phil scoring for me. I just want something nice to happen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, so, so that was Hawks- a really professional recap right there. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the last year games the Hawks have played since we last spoke were uh, they played Tampa lost four to two. They played Nashville, lost four to two. Played Buffalo, lost three to two. The Hawks have lost their last four. They've lost six of their last eight. I don't think any of that is too surprising because we didn't expect this team to be all that good. I think this is kind of a another reminder of how far of a a rebuild project this all is. But uh, Eric, did you? I don't know how much you'd had to drink when you'd watched various games. Well, you were sitting next to me Thursday in the press box, so I don't assume we were, you were drunk either because I was not. We were allegedly working that night, but uh, I just, did you have any thoughts from any of the last three games uh, from the Blackhawks schedule? I mean, the the Buffalo game was the most enjoyable to watch. Um, The, the Tampa one, you know, that was pretty tight. The Nashville one just seemed like they just trapped him all over the place and that was pretty much it. And they kind of did a little bit in Tampa too to keep it buttoned up. So Buffalo was a little bit more wide open. That was the game that they were probably in the most. 
or you know they had the best chance to win but it's it's just kind of reinforcing what we already know you know he's gonna i think last time we talked we were all really really excited because he had had those two really good games you know the uh four point game and then the two point game after that the two goal game in florida so i mean i think we saw like it's not gonna be like that all the time there's still a lot of stuff that needs to be figured out and i think you know there's there's some frustration that's kind of building with the results that they're getting but that's just going to be this team this year there's nobody coming barring something you know spectacular that none of us foresees there's nobody coming that's really going to change the complexion of the team all that much so you know it seems like Nick Felino every loss he kind of says the same thing like you know we know we can do better we got to play better we got to find a way to come up with that last goal or tie it up and but I it's just not there right now like there's there's not really more to be said than just this is kind of what this team is. Yeah, like other than the uh, the Arizona game and and maybe the Montreal like well uh, like the the Arizona game, the Boston game, and the Colorado game, and I guess the Montreal game too. It was close on the scoreboard, but that game didn't feel that close in general. But if you, you throw out those games, it does feel like, especially in the last few weeks, like the Hawks have been in every game, and I think that feels like a bit of a change from last season where. The Hawks, they would – well, like last year they started off, they had that weird-ass four-game winning streak early in the season and everyone – and there was like, maybe they're good. No, 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 they weren't because um, then they lost an absurd amount. But it felt like every game was like two or three or four-goal deficits every single night, um, and they they were falling behind early and never being in front. Like there's – there's there's they have more counter punches this year. Like sometimes they're taking the lead and not able to hold on to it. Sometimes they'll be down by two. They pull back within one and they can't quite get the tying tally. So it feels more competitive this year, mainly because they have Connor Bedard and Korchinski and a few other guys. And we're going to talk about them more in just a second, but it's not as it doesn't obviously with the roster and everything, it doesn't feel as hopeless as some of the games last year did. I think there's always still, you know, they go into the third period down by two goals. You're still thinking, well, maybe they can pull this off. And last year, I don't think any of us were thinking that. No, definitely not. And it, I mean, just look, they're playing Columbus on Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. The sky is falling in Columbus, man. They're mm-hmm. benching Line A. They're benching Goudreau. They got, you know, their coaches stashing some of their new players, you know, Johnson and Juracek. They're, he put them back in the AHL. Like, you know, they're, they might, if they lose to the Hawks on Wednesday, that's their 10th loss in a row. So, I mean, I think it's easy to kind of, you know, get nearsighted and just be frustrated with the way the team is, but you said it, they're, they're hanging in there, they're competing and they've had a chance to win some of these games. Like that's about the best we can ask for right now from this roster. And I think the most interesting thing to watch over the course of the season, because it does seem like the losses are going to continue piling up. It'll be interesting to see how Luke Richardson holds the room together because uh, these guys are professional athletes. And even if they, even if they are delusional about the idea that they can win more games this year, uh, that is still what they think. And so if the losses keep piling up and piling up and piling up, it's easy for uh, things to get fractured in the locker room. And if, you know, and any sign of Richardson holding that whole thing together is a good sign for him for the long run. Cause hopefully it's the, the challenge is different each season about what you have to do to keep this, uh, to be a good coach, like the, the, each job is different each season, even if you stay with the same team because you have a different collection of players. But it seems like for me, that's the biggest challenge this year is along with developing the players is just keeping, keeping everyone happy with the fact that they're going to lose 40 or 50 games. 
or maybe not happy, but just not, you know, blowing up the blowing up like everything is in Columbus right now. No, they had I that mean, players only meeting that yeah. shows that the, the, they care, like they mm-hmm. want to compete and they want to care. Sorry, Betsy, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that, like, it's I'm excited that they're doing better in games, but they're not like doing. I mean, yes, they're competitive in a way that they haven't been, but I think a lot of that is goaltending. Morazic has been playing really well. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at their goal saved above and you remove, if you look at just his goal saved above, he's in the top 10 in the league. Um, and that's saying something because he's third in workload, um, which is a rid- still a ridiculous stat. If you like last year, they were second in workload, the goalies. So um, that's not an improvement <laughs> defensively. And they've only had like five games in which they're over. Like they, they have either timed or shot metric possession at five on five. That's even near or above 50%. Five. Yeah. The rest of them, other one other one was like 47-ish, which is not that bad and could be score effects-y. Um, it wasn't because it was the Preds game. But um, every other one is 43% or worse. Not even in spitting distance. So, I mean, and then their expected goals. Let's not even pretend. Like, I'm just going to ignore that stat. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's not great. So, I'm like, I'm a little, I like, I'm excited that they're in it. But I'm also like, they're not necessarily as a team playing that much better. Um, I think individually effort is helping. There are a lot of hardworking guys on this team and it helps that uh, Bedard, Kurashev are clicking. Um, I think the older, the old guys, which I like to call them, they're doing better than I expected, which is great. Um, I don't know. You look at some other teams that were like recently decimated like Boston, Boston, everybody thought was going to be terrible this year, right? Like they thought they were not going to be good. They still have good players. They have much better players than the Blackhawks do. I'm not trying to compare their rosters, Um, but they lost some of their biggest guys and they're still clicking at such a high rate. And I feel like that's a lot of like coaching too. Um, But they threw in a bunch of their kids and they're doing really well. Mm. And I wish the Blackhawks, even with a terrible roster, I don't, I just need them to improve statistically more than they have, you know, like still not a good team, but it's a better team than last year. And you feel like that they should be making more strides other than just results. I don't want to get like wrapped up in results. That's how you get like coaches that stay too long or teams that stay too long, too long together. And then they end up hurting like, the avalanche is a perfect example. They shouldn't have, they had that one season where they rode their crazy high PDO for too long. And, you know, who knows uh, the abs could have gotten a cup sooner and, or had more than one cup, you know, that kind of stuff. So I don't want to be the pessimist, but I'm going to put a little bit of like, here's, here's a little bit of reality. You know, it's, I am excited about what they've been doing. I like that the kids have been really stepping up. Um, even if they make a mistake, like Korchinski had that weird, bobble and then he had like not a great game and then the neck uh against um fruit what was the game that was not he had like two full periods where he just was boffing everything and then he came out in the third was was that the devil's game i believe it was the devil's game because he had a turnover near the point 
and end up in a breakaway goal the other way. Yeah, and then he shut it. He like got better on the third, and then he had a really good game in the game after that. I just remember being like his yeah. response was really great, especially for his age, and that's expected. Um, so those are the things that I I'm looking for. But like at a team level, they're still not good. So I wanted to build off of what you what you said related to the kids stepping up. Um, we're going to come back to Korchinski in a second with some a big development out of practice on Tuesday. But uh, in the game against Buffalo on Sunday night, which the Hawks lost three to two, but actually like a lot of the numbers at, at least at five on five, like they actually played pretty well. Like they had the better better shots, better expected goals, more high danger chances, um, more shots, chances, and attempts than Buffalo and and uh, across the board. And the line that drove that was the Bedard, Reichel, and Kurashev line that was put together just for that game. Now, I don't imagine that's going to happen too often for the short term because I think they're still wanting to do this Lucas Reichel at center experiment. Or maybe they'll leave them together. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I, I'll have to look up and see what they did at practice today as I'm talking here. But It was the uh, same, same line at practice today. Reichel was still up with them. Okay, so maybe they'll leave that together for a little while, give them a little run before trying Redard, Redard, Reichel back at center. Jeez. Um, but like that line, 60% Corsi, uh, expected goals at 68, you know, two thirds of the scoring chances they scored, did not give up a goal. Like they owned the play while they were out there mm-hmm. and they didn't have the most sheltered line starts. Like they were uh, 58% in the offensive zone. Um, the reason, like, but then at the bottom of the list, you had, uh, the third line of Felino, Diggitson, and Perry got buried, as did the fourth line of Johnson, uh, Reese Johnson, Entwistle, and Ryan Donato. I mean, either one of those could be the third or fourth line. Pick your poison. Whatever. The bottom six got buried for the Hawks. But the fact that your top line with your young studs on it played well and kind of drove the possession for your team, even though you lost on the scoreboard, that feels like the like kind of moral victory process over results type of thing where if they keep doing that consistently throughout the season. I think you can feel really good about where this team is going when we get to March and April. Yeah, that was a great game. And I'll say, I don't like, again, I don't want to shit on the Hawks. Right. Um, I'm okay with them. If they could just get the games closer, you know, mm-hmm. I don't, they don't need to be dominating. Like they did again. They did a really good job against Buffalo, but they don't need to be in the 43%, right? Anything 43 and below on expected goals or, shot and shot metrics possession almost always coincides with time possession. So, which is why it's a great proxy, but if they just need to be closer, be a little bit closer. And then if you, if you can get closer that way, and then you have these, these moments where they have better pushback, they have better, like that's a true thing. They could win a lot more undeserving supposedly, but like, that's I think those are the better victories to have. I think that they they could end up with with victories that don't feel like they were stolen by Mrazek, you know, by stonewalling mm-hmm. the opposition and, you know, wonder kids go out there and do stuff. I will also point out that uh, Felino, Dickinson, and Perry did get, like, five on five. It was low event hockey for them. It's like, I think they had, like, eight shots total when they were on the ice. Which which isn't necessarily bad. If, no, no, exactly. I was gonna like they they got yeah. buried, but in the sense of their job is to go out there and keep everything simple. Scoring would be great, but keep it simple, keep it out. Um, they did get scored against, but like I don't was that there was a kind of a fluky. I can't remember if it was just was a that really good yeah play. that was the one where uh, Eric Johnson just uh, it looked like 
it didn't even look like he was trying to shoot it. I don't know if he was just trying yeah. to like center it and it just happened to go like perfectly over Mrazic's shoulder and under the bar. Yeah, I don't yeah, I don't think that's where he was aiming. <laughs> um so it was like one of those like I don't think that was like as big a deal, but um Buffalo's not a great team, but that's what you have to do as like another not top tier team is go out there and win those battles against. So I'm I'm excited to see what they do against Columbus. Like you said, that's coming up. And then their their schedule is getting this thing. I think a little bit it's getting tighter. There's more games, but like not quite so many. Like that's the reigning Stanley Cup champion. Oh, that's <laughs> yes. the Stanley Cup champion from last year. Oh, that's Boston. They won the Presidents. You know, like that. <laughs> that those, yeah, all of those, uh, all those things are out the window. It is now uh, like this next month of games here. You know, it's it's December. They got a lot of home games. It's the holiday season. I think there's. Uh, there's this is usually when like the Hawks of the heyday would always go on a pretty good run of games. And I think for this team, I think this is just going to give us a really good look at a, a better look at where they are. And they don't have to, um, they're not running into the brick wall of cup contending teams every night. So this should be, a, I think there should be some, there should be some Hawks wins um in this mix. Um, like, uh, I, I don't think they're going to go over 500 or anything like that, but there's going to be some, well, here, there's going to be some reasons for hope for the long term. I think you're going to see in the next month, hopefully. And speaking of that, uh, to something that Eric has written about in his last few recaps happened at practice on Tuesday with a shuffling of the top power play unit. Kevin Korchinski is going to be running the point. It looks like out on the wings, he'll have Bedard and Kurashev. Riker is in the bumper role and Corey Perry is in front of the net. Uh, Eric, what was your reaction when you saw all this? Good. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> yes, it's about exactly. time. No, yeah. I mean, it's, I appreciate that, you know, Richardson is a player's coach and I don't know so much that Korchinski earned the slot over Jones, but I think the team results are enough that Jones, you know, and for credit to him, it seemed like his response was exactly what you'd expect from, you know, a, a pro. He took it all in stride and, you know, he's ready to help the team. However, yada, yada, yada. But this, you got to generate offense. Like that's, that's the bottom line. They just aren't. So putting Reichel, you know, Bedard and uh, Kershev together, that's a really good step. And then now, you know, utilizing all of them with Korchinski, who's far and away your best skating and best puck moving defenseman. Like this could be, we saw, you know, that, the top line, Reichel, Bedard, and uh, Kurashev, and they were out with Jones and Vlasic. They had a stretch against Buffalo where they had Buffalo in their zone for like a minute 15, almost a minute 30 the other night, and it looked like a power play. Like they were moving it all over the place. So you want to put your best skilled players together. This is going to create the most room. It's going to create the most chances and opportunity. You know, you could probably even swap Perry out at some point if you felt like it, especially if Reichel is more of the bumper. Um, but, you know, I don't mind Perry down there because it'd probably be Felino anyways otherwise. But you you got to try to score more. They're not scoring a lot of goals. They're, I think, 27th or 28th in the league right now. 29th on the power play. Twenty ninth on the power play, yeah. Mister Twenty Two Percent. Hey, I know. Um, <laughs> go to go to hell, Eric. <laughs> no, but here's the thing: they're when they score four goals, they're five and up. You know, they got to score more, Just and score that's going to give there them a go. better chance. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Just score a bunch of goals. Um, 
So hopefully that helps them and hopefully that gets Corginsky's confidence going a little bit more and makes him shoot a little bit. That dude does not take shots. Uh, even his goal was not a shot. So, yeah. you know, um, it, it, it's good. I'm glad that they're doing it kind of as soon as they are. And it's Columbus. I feel like they're at, they're pro- their PK is actually really good. I think they're top five in the PK right now. So that should be a nice little challenge for them to start. It's a little bit of a softer game overall. So we'll see if they get a couple calls and get the chance to do it tomorrow. But it's, it's good stuff. I have a thought related to this, but I want to get Betsy's thoughts on this movement first. I mean, you all know that I'm fully behind loading up the kits. So yes. I was like, cowardice is gone. <laughs> Race it, Richardson. <laughs> um, I just, it's a good experiment. Look, I, there's a whole thing about like vets, like helping out and the kids learning from them, but there's also something in just hopefully these are the players that are going to be with the Blackhawks for a really long time. Like this is the next four just let them play together. This is a transition year. Just let them, let them make the mistakes yeah. together and, you know, just let them run wild. I just want yeah. to let them, let them fuck, let them fuck up now. I know. I was so excited when, um, Riker was put up with the, him, uh, with Bedard and Khrushchev and the only next best thing would be if his gutman was up from the AHL. Um, because I think he's better than, several players on the Blackhawks right now. At least I think he's got more potential. He has to play in the NHL before we could really say that, but you know, um, yeah, I mean, I can't, I'm, I kind of can't wait till after the trade deadline. Cause you're hoping that like, there's just going to be a bunch of kids playing um, and we get a taste of and a bunch of kids. I don't mean that there's not that many um, <laughs> more to come up, but you got doc who just scored a hat trick. Um, and the shootout winner in a game, and he looked really, he looked really good in most of his games and stuff like that. So I'm excited about that coming up. So I just want like the more often they can get Krachinsky, Reichel, Bedard, and Kurashev on the ice together, like a plus plus power play five on five. I don't care, just do it. Yeah, uh, my so the thing you said about making mistakes though is like, and that brings me back to the New Jersey game you referenced earlier. And this is my. It's not my concern that it's going to happen because I feel like it's probably going to happen. Korczynski is going to be on the point now. He's probably going to do something like to Eric's point about him being the north-south guy, not the east-west guy that Seth Jones is. He's going to make a play. He's going to try to attack. It's not going to work. He's going to lose the puck, and there's going to be a break the other way, if not a goal. And I hope that almost inevitably when that happens, the initial reaction isn't to immediately demote him to the back to the second power play unit that he will learn when he can make those, make those up or take those chances, take those risks and when to not do that at the NHL level. Cause I'm sure it's different than when he could or could not do them at the WHL level. So hopefully there's a little bit of uh they afford him a little bit of grace with uh, making a mistake or two and, and not immediately banishing him from that role. And also hopefully uh Kurashev and Bedard who are going to be on the wings on that power play, that one, three, one setup. Hopefully those two guys are a little cognizant of uh, Korshinsky has a propensity to attack the net. And so one of those two got to come back and cover for him. If that happens, uh, cause there it's not, it's not solely just on uh, him alone. Like if some of the teammates can help him out in those situations. So I just hope that they are afforded the opportunity to make mistakes because uh, making those mistakes is the first step towards figuring out how to not make those mistakes and 
ultimately get uh, good chances and goals on the Blackhawks power play that hasn't done shit most of the season. But uh, it should be really fun to watch that power play group. Uh, might take, might, maybe it takes them a game or two to figure it out. Maybe it clicks immediately against Columbus on Wednesday night and uh, they, they light the lamp and we, we all come back here and tell you all how smart we are. <laughs> or not. I th- no, and that's a good point. And I think but what we've seen so far from this coaching staff, and especially in regard to Korczynski, like, you know, uh, Betsy was just talking about it. He had a really bad game. I, They're not sitting him. He's not stapled to the bench. It's not you need to sit and think about the mistakes you made. And, you know, I think we can all agree that there's been coaches here in the past, and that's kind of the the method that they've had with younger players is, you know, go go sit in your misery and learn from your mistake on the bench for the next shift or 10 minutes or whatever. But we haven't seen anything like that yet. Yeah. So I think they're going to give – them every opportunity and give him every opportunity to do that, to go out and to make those mistakes and to learn from them, which I think we've all kind of been asking for in regards to these specific players, you know, from the beginning of the year. Yeah. And I, they've had uh, the last couple of games, I think it's been uh, created because of injuries and uh, Nikita Zaitsev was away for personal reasons for a bit, but four of your six defensemen are either rookies or, just or just uh, barely above the threshold of being in their second NHL season because I think Vlasic and Phillips might be just over the rookie game threshold. But uh, with Vlasic, Phillips, Korchinski, and Kaiser, like these are all guys under the age of what twenty three that can be around for the next decade, and that's four of your six blue liners in the last couple of games, and it looks like that's going to be the case again on Wednesday night against Columbus. And so like there's um. There's a lot of guys getting thrown to the fire right now, but it's, you know, this is kind of what you want. You want to see if these guys can sink or swim at the NHL level. So it's been, it's been fun that we've been getting to see that so far. Hopefully there's more. Well, well there's going to be more because that's about all they got in the, in the system right now. I was going to point out that Reichel's goal against Tampa on the 16th was a power play goal that did have all the kids on the line too. It was Korchinski, Kershev, Bedard. Right. Yeah, I can't remember who the I don't know if Perry was on there with them, but yeah, it was yeah, it was Kurashev and then Dreigel. And there and that's totally fine. I'm I'm uh, I was gonna say this one, whichever one of you mentioned Perry in the front. Like I'm totally cool with Corey Perry being the guy who gets his ass kicked in front of the net instead of one of the young kids for now. Uh, that seems like maybe uh maybe that's a Samuel Savoie's role down the road when he because uh, he seems to be in that mold. But or maybe Colton Doc might get a run at that if that's uh, his thing. Just big Marcel, 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 the big boy, yeah. but not, but none of those guys are on the NHL roster right now. So it's going to, uh, yeah, let, let Perry or Ferlino deal with those battles right now. I don't, I don't need Lucas Reichel proving his toughness in front of an net. That's not what he's yeah. here for. Absolutely so. not. All right. Well, we've got, uh, that's most of the Blackhawks stuff we wanted to get to. We're going to take a quick timeout look ahead to the rest of the schedule. And then there's a pretty big holiday coming up here in a few days. And we're going to talk a little bit about that on the other side of this timeout. So come on back for all of that. Welcome back to Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. And uh, we're recording this early Tuesday evening. And I didn't know this. There's not a single hockey game tonight. Were you too aware of this? Not yeah, I I have no I, idea what's going on. It's because it's because of the European schedule, and then all the Canadian teams are in America uh, to take advantage of the the Thanksgiving weekend. 
to get more games in. So it sounded like they tried to get Arizona to go tonight and Arizona said no. Um, so, but because of the, the heritage games last weekend, all the teams came back that kind of scrambled the schedule a little bit. So okay. no games tonight. Yeah. Just, I, it was very strange to see that. Like I could get that if it was uh Sunday, cause they don't want to go up against the NFL rating stuff and all that. I, cause that is obviously a big driver of schedules and such. So uh, it was just weird to see a random Tuesday night, especially on the holiday week when I feel, I don't know about the rest of you, but I feel like I've barely done work this week and uh, the forecast for Wednesday is even less work. So um, yeah. Uh, but uh, the Hawks are back as our other NHL teams, but the, the rest of the league will be back Wednesday night playing the Hawks play in Columbus on Wednesday, Friday at one o'clock against the Maple Leafs at the United center. That could be a fun game with uh, if Toronto does their high wire act and lets the Hawks also score a bunch of goals, that could be a fun one. And then the Hawks also play Sunday at the United center at one o'clock against the blues, which is another weird Sunday at one o'clock in November. And I don't, um, there's a I, ton I, of them coming up. It's the Sunday one against the Blues, though, is like it's a special kids game. Oh, that's right. Okay. And it's like the next wave. So it's it's meant to kind of encourage the kids to come early and to do a bunch of, you know, activities and stuff around the team. And I think like the hosts for the game, um, from what we saw when we were there at Tampa, they were talking to them. It's like a teenage boy and a teenage girl. So I think that's probably at least has somewhat to do with why that one is so early. Yeah, I'll accept it. It's yeah. It's just it's it's strange whenever whenever the NHL goes up against the NFL because uh, it seems like most people are going to be watching the NFL and you know the the ratings seem to drive so much so many decisions related to scheduling. It's weird when the opposite seems to happen like this. Um, so that's the Hawks' uh, next handful of games, and then after the one on Sunday against St. Louis, they play Tuesday against the Kraken, and then next Thursday they're at Detroit. And I'm sure we'll have a podcast at some point in there. Uh, hopefully, if we, if we all haven't uh, collapsed into our uh, Thanksgiving comas and have emerged from them since. Um, does anybody have anything else uh, related to the upcoming thing games and things you're watching for or hoping for or wanting to see or uh, opponents or uh, Toronto Maple Leafs you're scouting for future free agency contracts? Big Willie? Um, no, I do jokingly there's a part of me that's like if Patrick Kane was going to sign with the Red Wings I guarantee you he would do it right before that game just for spite <laughs> to make sure that but I don't think he's going there. it doesn't sound like he's, it sounds like he's going to Florida or Dallas but we'll see yeah I don't well even if he did sign like he would have to I mean he wouldn't be able to play because he would need time to ramp up I assume I don't assume he's like ready to play in an NHL game tomorrow night I don't but, know uh, he's yeah, a psycho I feel like he was holding out until he was like, he felt like he was healed enough to play in a game. Now, whether or not a coach would want to just throw him right in, but that happens all the time after the trade deadline. So I don't know. I think it's interesting that the the surgery that he got is the same one that Matt Backstrom got. And Backstrom was like, I got to stop. And Kane's like, full throttle. <laughs> Backstrom's also had a couple other health things the sure. last and few years. I just, it, it's a thing about like how you can have the same issue and the same like supposed solution, but it doesn't always work out that way, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I hope like Backstrom's had a really good career. So they're at that age where they start to retire anyway, but. We'll yeah, I think isn't Backstrom a year older than Kane too? 
Yes. Yeah, right? I think so. I don't know. I'm I'm expecting Kane to come out. I think he's been in a bunker somewhere, just watching Connor Bedard highlights on a loop <laughs> and doing like bare knuckle push ups against the ground. So I think he's going to come out, and if he has anything left in the tank, I think it'll be pretty evident pretty fast. Yeah. Just have to see. I still I I am. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but every time I look at what's going on in Toronto, it's just like I'm just. I'm just waiting for that just to completely fall apart uh, in in one off season where they just decide everyone's got to go and what uh, what portions the Hawks will pick up off the scrap heap of that or th- them or Edmonton, which <laughs> I don't we haven't really talked about league wide stuff much uh, because there's been actually things about the Blackhawks that have been interesting this year. But the Edmonton Oilers are so bad this year. They just. They just got ahead of the Hawks in the standings. I think they won uh, Monday night or Sunday night to jump ahead of the Hawks in the standings because they had been behind the Hawks and San Jose. Yeah. So um, I'm just, you know, Connor McDavid's a free agent in a few years. Just well, keep saying. Leon's Leon's up first. Yeah. When? So I just when's the last time other than Tavares? When's the last time? Somebody has jump shipped and Tavares left for, you know, his home. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, I don't know. You, I feel like every time we bring this up, we're very excited about it, but then it never happens. Like I'm not even talking, just come to the Blackhawks. I'm talking about in general, a uh, big free, like it would be way more exciting if they did, but it just never happens. Is, uh, is Marion Hosa the last one? I mean, Marion Hosa. That's not the same thing. He had already been traded around. Yeah, he was with the Threshers at one point. Like he was. <laughs> yeah, he had he had he bounced was, around from several teams at that point. Yeah, I mean it's it's not apples to apples, but I think the Chuck and Goudreau. I was just going to say Johnny Goudreau. Yeah, leaving Calgary. I mean, it's it, and that's that's the crazy thing about Edmonton. I think if one of them goes, both of them go. Um, I don't think that they hang around without each other. And they're already talking about, you know, for Toronto, Nylanders, he's off. He's having the best season of his career so far. And they're saying he's going to have to take a discount to stay there. He's already kind of, he held out and he knows he's as good, you know, as Marner and Matthews. And at least he thinks he is. And I think some people don't think that, but he wants to get paid like those guys. And that that's a two or $3 million difference. I think between what the team wants to pay him and what he thinks he's worth. So, I was hoping that, you know, after Kachuk, there might be a couple more guys, you know, at the supposed like big free agent class we were going to see this summer. But Betsy's right. I mean, they're all, they all re upped. They all stayed with their teams. Or, you know, like in the case of Debrinkit, he went and signed a new deal, you know, with a new team after he kind of told Ottawa he wasn't coming back. So maybe there's a couple things that shake loose at the deadline. You know, and and the Hawks have the stuff to be active if they want to try to go get, you know, a a younger type of player. But yeah, if Nylander makes it to free agency, I I, that's kind of that'll be a big one. That'll be a big one if he gets there. When's his free agency year? This summer. Yeah, I just I, I mean, I would be very excited about it, but like I don't. It'll be it'll be interesting to see what Davidson decides to do. I, they could be good next year. They could try. I think that would be nice. <laughs> well, and then that yeah, that'll really be interesting because there'll be a couple things that they'll need to address 
But if there'll be some other decent free agents out there, not the original class that, you know, everyone kind of thought, but whether they kind of stand pat and we'll have a better idea too, you know, we'll know what their draft pick is by then too. And you know, what way they're going to go with it. But Nylander that shakes things up, you know, big time in a hurry. So. So I, I guess uh, we'll, we'll all be scouting on Friday then when, when the, when the Hawks host the Maple Leafs at the United center. So um, I don't think any other hoppy hoppy. I, I cannot talk this week. See, it's again, it is the it is the three day work week ahead of Thanksgiving where everybody's brain just collectively shuts off. I think we all decide by about one or two o'clock on Tuesday, like, oh, we're not getting anything else done the rest of this week. Very cool. Very much on board with that idea. Um, so if there's no more hockey stuff to get to, uh, we obviously, as the best food themed hockey podcast on the Internet, have to uh, dive into some food stuff ahead of Thanksgiving, which is pretty much uh, our national holiday uh, around these parts, considering how much we are fans of food. And so I went back earlier today and listened back to the last couple years of pre Thanksgiving episodes of this podcast to make sure we don't revisit any topics that we've done before. Uh, last year, there was a kind of a, uh, we went around the room and nominated certain dishes and decided whether or not we would or would not put them on our plates. Uh, two years, bef- two years ago, it was more just a general discussion on food items and sides and all that. And uh, so we're trying not to do anything the same, but I think there's also an element of everyone kind of has a roughly similar Thanksgiving menu. I think um, even we've discussed a little bit with the differences of us between North and South uh, with Betsy being our official Southern correspondent. Uh, there are some mild differences, but nothing egregious. So I, I just found this article. It's from Better Homes and Gardens, which is an interesting place to have a food discussion, I guess. Maybe Better Homes part of it. But uh, it's got the worst Thanksgiving sides. And I just – I guess you have to pick a worse one, but none of these are bad to me. I don't understand. Like the number one answer is candied yams. Who hates candied yams? Yams are gross. You found one. That's there you go. What? <laughs> How? I like yams. How? I don't, I don't think they're very good. Oh. They I allow you to, like to live in the South and not like yams? Yeah, that's. I, I'm surprised you haven't been... Uh, <laughs> Excommunicated? Yeah, yeah, expelled to the North. We have never had them at our Thanksgiving and I have had them at like family ones and I just didn't like them. It's possible that they just weren't done well, but I've also had, um, I've had them more than one way and I've never liked any of them. Um, I don't know if I liked candied things very much. Like I don't really like, uh, candied fruit or like nuts and stuff in general. So, um, I don't know why. I don't like the, I'm also, I think last year, the year before that, we found out that I'm very much a texture person and I don't know if I like the the candy texture. Um, and that might be more it than the like flavor. I also don't like, uh, sometimes have you ever had candied like there it's been candied, but it's like in strips. So it almost looks like a gummy worm. And if a gummy worm has stuff on it, like that's not just a smooth gummy, I don't like those either. And I think that's a texture thing. I don't so. know. Yeah, this sounds like you got some like uh, moldy gummy worms or something. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like they, the ones that have like like sugar still on the like that they're like frosted and stuff like that. Um, I, I 
See that that feels like that's a little bit of a category of doing too much. Like gummy <laughs> worms itself are already a candy. Why would you need to put sugar on the candy? But they either do way, like the, the sour ones, like the oh, sour okay. patch. Okay. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I also don't like sour candy, so like it was like a combination of two. But I don't like like uh, and yeah, I don't like yams. I don't like. I've never All liked right. yams. So do, do you? Okay. One. Do you, is it the candied part that you don't like, or is it just yams in general? I don't like yams, and I don't like candied stuff. So the combination is not great for me. So I I almost said uh, the 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 family lineage that has some southernness to it because I almost said sweet potatoes instead of sweet potatoes. But is it a yam itself is just a sweet potato, and the candied yams is when you put like the brown sugar, cinnamon, and marshmallows on top of it, right? That's the difference here. Because I don't I like. Gonna, I was going to ask if you like just straight sweet potatoes, aka yams. Um, I don't. You ever had sweet potato no, fries? They're, they're not the same. <laughs> okay. Yams that's, are that's... yams are different <laughs> than sweet potatoes, but um, I don't like like I don't like sweet potato. Um, I'll eat sweet potato fries, so maybe I'd like yam fries. I've never had them, but maybe I would like them fried. But I don't like um. And I think this was a thing that Shay and I got into one time is that I don't like sweet potato pie or sweet potato casserole. That's actually a uh, number four on this list is sweet potato casserole number four. Cause it's gross. <laughs> um, but they're not the same. Yams are like, uh, sweet potatoes are orange and yams are not. Um, okay. I, I, I had to Google pie. this cause I just, I just assumed they were the same thing. One is red and one is, they're both root. Things, a but sweet like potato is a root. Yams tend to be more cylindrical and have a scaly, bark-like skin. Yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> um, but they're yeah, they're not the same thing. Um, so all right, so then I'm not making candied yams. I don't. I'm not sure I've had yams. And I basically just take sweet potato. It's candied sweet potatoes. Yeah, which that might be good. Uh, I've never had it, but it, I like sweet potatoes slightly better than I like. Um, I don't like it when it's into a puree. I don't know why the sweet, sweet potato, when it becomes baby food, I don't like it. All right. Now, now, I'm, now I, I think the main thing I've gotten from this discussion is I need to go find yams because apparently that's what sucks. And I need to see if I also agree that it sucks because sweet potatoes are outstanding. So Eric, did you have any thoughts on this? I'll, no, I, I do not like yams, but I do like sweet potatoes okay. um, in a couple different forms. And even just bake, you can bake a sweet potato like you bake a potato yeah, and man. little brown sugar, or a little butter on that. That's fantastic oh, too. Yeah. So I, I might, that might be dinner tonight. So <laughs> you <laughs> that you're talking about it. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, we, as we discussed last week, you're uh, you have your, you have your, your lane and you stay in it. Do you ever, you don't ever go sweet potatoes instead of mashed potatoes though? no, no, I mean to me, and part of it is I usually roasted turkey is one of my favorite things. I usually only have it at Thanksgiving, like that's kind of it. Other than you know the occasional like lunch meat or whatever. Mm. Um, but and it's the same with mashed potatoes. Mashed potatoes is one of my favorite foods, but I only eat it two or three times a year. I don't really eat it that much anymore. So that's why it's kind of like that's mm-hmm. my jam, you know, on Thanksgiving because it's like this is my day to eat as much of this as I want. So. We don't really make sweet potatoes um, or nobody that comes to my house does. My sister, when she used to live here before she moved to Colorado, she would do it a lot. She used to love going to Boston Market and getting the Boston Market sweet potatoes. So she would kind of do a version of that, which I think is what you're making, Dave, which is like 
brown sugar and marshmallows and she would even do like a oat crumble on top too ooh, ooh. Um, no yeah. i don't do the oat crumble but now i'm interested and now it's, it's just it's like yeah it's uh like sweet potatoes with brown sugar cinnamon and butter and then you top them with uh marshmallows at the very end and they it may melts and makes a perfect nice layer on top it's it's a very simple, easy recipe, and I, I think I just Google a different one every year. It's not complicated. If you ever, if you're out there and you're looking for some sort of dish to make to bring, highly recommend these. Like, I you think you just Google them as candied candied yams, but you can substitute sweet potatoes, and it all works the same. Um, or maybe I'm talking out of my ass, and someone's gonna be like that. You have to treat yams and sweet potatoes completely differently. I don't know, but that's what I always do. But yeah, I like the sweet potatoes. When she would make them, you know, I would always have a little bit. I would have some, but mashed potatoes all the way. All right. So I guess the, uh, I was trying to think if there's like a specific take. I, I just, th- this list of like all these things that people don't like if they're Thanksgiving dishes, like I think these people's just a bunch of fussy eaters or just people that are obnoxiously picky. Like they don't like green bean casserole. No, I don't like green bean casserole that much. It's yeah, fine. Do you like either. anything, Betsy? What the hell? <laughs> I love lots of things. I just, um, I prefer, uh, so you could do green beans with, you kind of treat them almost like collards where they're cooked with like a ham hock in them. That's better. Um, you can put potatoes in with them and that's better. Um, I don't like, I just don't like cat, like the onion part, like the onion soup part. It's not like it's bad. I just, there are ways that I prefer to have green beans. Like I'm going to make the green beans with um, ham hock. Um, it's the one side that I'm making that's not from honey baked ham. Um, because they only have green bean casserole and some broccoli dish that's not super great. Um, yeah. yeah. I like lots of things. <laughs> like you're like, what do you, this, I love all kinds of Thanksgiving food. <laughs> Can't wait to have cornbread stuffing. We've already yeah. talked about how stuffing's my favorite. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like I just uh I don't know. We're we're really gonna be hard pressed to come up with the topic next year. Uh, but uh I just like Thanksgiving's just there's there's a lot of good food. Um plenty of sports to watch that day and the rest of the weekend. Uh, a couple good Hawks games that could be interesting. So uh, you know, I, I have again I think I do the speech every year because uh, it's it's something I very uh, fervently believe that it's the best best weekend of the year. It kicks off the holiday season, four days off of work. Like I don't know, I don't know how you beat Thanksgiving once you become an adult and uh, the the whole uh, the just the start of the holiday season instead of the end of it at Christmas. I, I Thanksgiving's t- tough to beat for me. So I was saying the weekend after. Especially that we've had it at our house, so we end up with the bulk of the leftovers. I almost like the turkey sandwiches better than the actual meal. So just to be able to hang out the rest of the weekend, eat a bunch of turkey sandwiches, take it easy. That's usually when my family, we put up our Christmas tree and like put up Christmas decorations and stuff too. So that's like a, that's an A plus, that's a top 10 weekend for the year, I would say. Absolutely. And it's because Thanksgiving is on the 23rd this year, which I think is like the second earliest possible date you could have the 22nd is the earliest. So this is like just about the longest Christmas season you can get. Cause it doesn't start till after Thanksgiving. Damn it. Don't let uh, anyone talk you out of it, but uh, it's just, it's uh, we get, it's, it's a good month and I'm, I'm looking forward to it a lot. Uh, looking forward to uh, plenty of things, but uh, starting with this Thursday. 
any final thoughts before we wrap up this here episode of uh, Musings on Madison as uh, we found out pre-show? Eric and I have the same show to get to in a little bit. That's right. We do. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Be safe. Be healthy. Happy Thanksgiving, Dave and Betsy. Enjoy your meals, the things that you eat and you like very much, and I will enjoy mine. Your meat and potatoes. Enjoy your your vegetable table with macaroni on it, Betsy. I will. Send me some. Yeah. I I will gladly eat mac and cheese and tell myself it's a vegetable. Exactly. You know, Dave, you can anytime you want. I'm going to. Yeah. Okay, do it. But I I feel like I feel like the the mac and cheese in the South is probably better than uh, any any anywhere else. So absolutely it is it's probably so much better than anything we can get it <laughs> probably one step to a heart attack but way better yes <laughs> eh, that's that's all right I'll, I'll, I'll like i'll go ride a bike or something that'll that'll offset the heart attack there all right go. well well speaking of thanks uh thanks to betsy and eric for hanging out this evening and uh mill will be putting this all together behind the scenes so thanks to him for doing all that and just a moment because it is thanksgiving i just wanted to uh Thank the three of you, Mill, uh, Mill, who's going to listen to this later, I hope, and then uh, Betsy and Eric, because without the three of you, this place would not exist. And that thanks also goes out to all the people who are listening to this and supporting this um, and interacting with it however you have. Um, we literally would not be here without your help. So thank you very much. It's been fun that we're still here doing this. Um, it is the, the thankful time of the year, so I wanted to make sure I thank everyone uh, who's kept us going. And uh, here's to uh, better better Blackhawks times ahead, hopefully uh, the rest of the season and down the road. But other than that, uh, I think that's going to do it for this episode of Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, for Betsy, for Mill, for Eric, uh, thank you again for listening. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. See you then. <laughs>